Welcome to In Season, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and I'm flying solo on today's show because I really wanted to go in-depth and talk about seed starting, because that is something that's on a lot of people's minds this time of year. We're in kind of that midwinter area. Um, it's, it's January, it's cool, the days are getting longer, but they're still pretty short. It's cold outside, but all of those seed catalogs are starting to arrive in our mailboxes. Um, seed companies' websites are updating. All the new varieties are out there, new offerings, and there's so much to tempt you. And it's and we're all getting kind of excited about it. It's such a wonderful time of year for planning, for being cozy, sitting down and dreaming about spring, dreaming about summer, thinking about the garden you want to have this year, and making plans and getting those seed orders placed so that you're sure that you have the varieties that you want to grow and you're, you're ready for spring when it shows up. Starting plants from seed is one of the most, honestly, one of my favorite parts of being a farmer. It is so magical and I, I, it never gets old for me. I'm still fascinated and so amazed at these little tiny, tiny seeds sometimes. You know, you, you put them in a little bit of soil with some moisture and the right temperature and they germinate and you know a few months later you have a massive tomato plant or you have kale or you have a sunflower or cosmos or broccoli or so many things that are out there the diversity is incredible and growing things from seed yourself gives you such a wide variety of of plants that you can choose from and varieties within that. I mean, think about it. When you go to a plant nursery, you know, take tomatoes, for example, because it's a popular thing that lots of people like to grow, even though we live in kind of a terrible climate for growing tomatoes. But still, we are optimistic and we like to try growing our tomatoes out here. So you, you go to a plant nursery and there might be, if it's a, if they've got a good selection, you know, they might have 20 to 30 different varieties on offer at, at a different time. It's a fair amount of tomato varieties to choose from. But if you're looking at a seed catalog, there might be over a hundred different tomato varieties on offer there. Every color of the rainbow, different shapes and sizes, cherry tomatoes, huge slicers, and you know everything in between. And you have so much more opportunity to try something different, try something new. And you're not gonna get that if you're just depending on already selected varieties that are on offer as a plant start. Now, having said that, if you're not into starting seeds and you really just want to grow from transplants, that's great. And there's a lot of wonderful varieties that are out there. And one of the advantages that you get from using a transplant, I mean, number one, you don't have to deal with all the seed starting stuff, which we're going to dig into in a little bit later, but there are some considerations and things to, to know and think about if you're going to have a successful seed starting experience. Um, you don't have to deal with any of that. Um, maybe you have less selection, but often those varieties are probably the ones that are going to do the best in our region. There's a little bit less guesswork involved, especially if you're buying your plants from someone who's growing them locally in your region. So somewhere here in our lower Columbia Pacific region. And in the spring, there's often just a, a plethora of places to get 
plant starts from. You know, there's lots of farmers now are doing plant start sales, you know, early season plant start sales. So you can reach out to farms, early farmers markets. There's often great variety of plant starts. Master gardeners usually have plant start sales that are excellent and really good places to get good varieties for coastal gardens. Sometimes you'll see high schools or garden clubs or other groups, or just sometimes your neighbor down the road might have extra transplants. There's lots of ways to access um, plant starts in spring. And so if that's the way you want to go, that's great. And just wait for everybody else to do the work and enjoy the, the bounty of it. And you know that you're getting your plant starts at the right time, getting them in the ground. You're probably going to have a great growing season. But if you are one of those people who's curious about growing from seed, maybe you've tried growing from seed in the past and you haven't had great experience with it, or you're willing to try again, or you're just new to it and you want to jump in and try it, this conversation is really for you. And, you know, even if you've been doing it for a long time, I think it's always helpful to review some of this stuff. I mean, I find it helpful to look through this stuff again and just be reminded about some stuff, some best practices, some things to be thinking about because there is a science to it. There is a skill and an art to starting things from seed and it does take practice. It's not always going to be perfect the first time around. I mean, certainly the first year that I ever really tried to start seeds professionally as a farmer, oh my gosh, I had just disaster. I'd lost so many plants. So many of them I got overexcited and I started them too early and they were so leggy and overgrown by the time it was time to plant them outside that most of them died and I had to start more. And over time, I've really learned and refined my practices now so that you know, I feel pretty confident when I go to start seeds that unless, you know, something goes wrong, you know, the power goes out and my heat mats fail or my lights don't turn on or that seed for whatever reason isn't viable, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get a good germination and I'm going to be able to raise some plant starts and they're going to do well outside. But that's after, you know, 20 years of, of refining this. So it takes time. It doesn't have to take 20 years. But it does take time, so be patient with yourself and just try to learn and observe and take notes. So one of the key things when you're starting plants from seed, and, and this also applies to if you're doing things from as a transplant, is to know when is it safe to plant that plant outside. And in our region, you know, what we're looking at is our frost dates. So when does the soil warm up and when does the, the temperature the air temperature warm up enough that it's safe that to put those plants outside, they're probably not going to get killed by a frost because there's some plants that are just too tender to go outside. If a hard frost or even sometimes a mild frost comes along, nope, that plant is gone. And that's heartbreaking when you've spent a lot of time and effort either starting it from seed or maybe you've spent a lot of money on transplants and then you put them outside and they die. This is, don't have that happen to you. So our last frost dates in our region are generally somewhere between mid-May, mid-April and mid-May. You know, if you look at a lot of the books, it'll say the average um, last frost date is around May 1st. Well, I mean, in our area, I generally find that late April from mid to the end of April it's kind of that window of time when things sort of settle down and it's safe for a lot of plants to go outside then. But having said that, there are certain plants, if I'm growing them outside, you know, I've just come to know over time, yeah, 
I'm probably going to wait till early May, maybe even mid-May. That seems like a safer time, generally speaking, in my experience and my observations. And that's because I'm, I'm paying attention. I've lived at this property on this farm for about 12 years now. And I have some understanding of the weather patterns, soil temperature patterns, and I kind of know when it's okay to plant things out and when it's not. And this is going to change depending on where you live in our region. If you live very close to the ocean, maybe Cannon Beach, Manzanita, Seaside, somewhere in that range, it's going to be warmer where you are. You're not going to get the hard, hard frosts that you might get in some of even the, the upper elevations of Astoria or if you're out in Jewel or Birkenfeld or, you know, depending on where you are and how inland you are, how high up you are, your last frost date might be different and it might be colder there. And so you just have to pay attention to your own garden. Don't always go by what it says in a book. Don't always go by what you hear people talking about at the nursery. Really pay attention to your garden and get to know what works in your area. And this is going to be some trial and error. And you are probably going to kill some plants um, while you learn this. And just, you know, accept that. Part of being a gardener, part of being a farmer is we're going to kill a lot of plants. Um, hopefully more will survive and thrive, but that's just part of it. So you know when it's safe to plant it outside, but then how do you know when to start that seed? And this is a common mistake that I think a lot of people make is starting seeds way too early. Part of this is we just get overexcited and we want to start them right away. And part of it is just not really having a sense of, well, when, I'm, when do I want to plant that plant outside? And I'm just going to continue to use tomatoes as an example, because I think this is some, a plant that a lot of people do try to start for themselves and often have a frustrating experience with it because their plants get very leggy and spindly and they're not as healthy and then they don't thrive when you plant them outside and they don't do very well and then it's very frustrating and sad. So, you know, for tomatoes, for example, um, you know, you, you want to plant them about six, start them from seed about six to eight weeks before you're going to transplant them outside. So how you do this math in your head for me is like, I know on my farm, I mean, I'm about nine miles inland from Astoria in the community of Olney. So I know generally for my area, I like to plant my outdoor tomato plants around mid-May. That's kind of my sweet spot. I feel like it's warm enough that they're probably going to survive. Um, you know, it's not so late that I'm worried about not getting a good crop. So mid, mid, like second to third week in May is usually when I'm looking to plant them outside. Okay, so I want to count backwards. And, you know, I usually err on the side of longer germination, longer growing time. So I would go for eight weeks. So I'm probably looking at mid-March is when I'm going to want to be starting my tomato seeds. Well, that's a lot later than a lot of people will start their tomato plants. Sometimes it's like they're starting them now or you're starting them at the beginning of February because you're so worried about getting your tomato plant started and what if it's too late? Don't worry about it. I've even started plants to my tomato seeds in late March and I, they've still been just fine. So don't rush to start them now. Wait. And also know that when you start that seed, it doesn't pop up the next day. A lot of times, if you look in seed catalogs, they'll have a, a days to germination range. So, you know, for tomatoes, it can be anywhere from, you know, six days to 14 days, you know. So that's anywhere from a week to two weeks after you sow that seed seed. 
and you water it and you walk away and you're like, okay, little seed, do your thing. It might be two weeks before anything pops up out of the ground. And, you know, for anyone who's been just standing there anxiously looking at the soil, looking at the soil, and every morning you get excited and you go and check and nothing happens. It can feel so discouraging and it can feel like, oh, what did I do wrong? But you just have to be patient and wait. And even once it germinates, you know, it can sometimes take a while for it to look like much of anything is happening. When seeds germinate, the first little leaves that they're putting out aren't even what are considered their true leaves. These are little leaves that are just out and they're they're helping the, the plant photosynthesize. They're soaking up everything and just helping feed the root system. And then what you'll see is like a little bit later, leaves will emerge that look like the leaves of the actual plant. They look different. And those are the true leaves. And then another set of true leaves will emerge. And then another set. And slowly that plant will grow. So it takes time. It takes time for it to get to that nice transplant size that you want to be putting outside. Now, another thing to consider in this whole starting seed thing is, you know, what does a seed need to germinate? And it's fairly simple. Seeds need moisture and they need warmth. They need the appropriate temperature because seeds will germinate at different seeds germinate at different temperatures. Some do great in cooler soils, maybe like 50 to 60 degrees. Some really need like 70 to 80, maybe even 90 degrees temperature to germinate at. So read that, read that soil temperature guide in the seed catalogs when it talks about um, soil temperature for germination and really pay attention to that. And you may need to invest in some kind of additional heat source. Now, some people talk about starting their seeds on top of a refrigerator where, you know, you maintain a, a consistent so, um, temperature level that's often in a good range for uh, uh, seed germination. It kind of depends on your refrigerator. I don't have a fridge that has an appropriate top for starting seeds on. It's kind of weird and it's got a, something else on it and you couldn't really lay your seeds out on it. So, you know, bear that in mind. Um, it may not be the best place for you. Um, a lot of times when we want to start plants inside our house, it's easy to think, well, I've got a sunny window. I'll just start all my seeds there. And the, the frustrating and heartbreaking reality, especially in our area, is that really most houses in, this, in, the, in this late winter, early spring do not get enough light to adequately um, help plants germinate and grow. We just don't get enough light. And so the odds are that your plants are going to struggle, they're going to be spindly, they're going to be leggy, they're going to be pale, they're not going to be super healthy because they're just not getting enough daylight. I mean, for some plants, once they germinate and start growing, they need about 12 hours of light to be healthy, to you know set strong leaves, to really um, build a strong root system. Well, I mean, this time of year, we don't even have 12 hours of daylight at all, let alone 12 hours of direct daylight shining on that windowsill. And so if you're really serious about starting seeds indoors, you know, I, I advise you to think about investing in some kind of a light system and possibly a, a heat 
mat, a bottom heat system. You can do this fairly inexpensively now. Um, and a light system can just be, you know, a, a fluorescent shop light, you know, just like the, one of the long metal kind of ballast things with two long fluorescent bulbs in it. Some people say it could be two cool bulbs. When I used to use a setup like that, um, I used one cool and one warm. I had read somewhere where that, you know, more mimicked natural daylight better. But again, you know, try and see what works for you, see what's available. You also want to keep that light fairly close to the plant. And this is a thing that helps the plant stay kind of bushy and become stronger and not get that kind of spindling when they're reaching for the light. Um, so you want to keep the, the lights about two to three inches above the plant. That's pretty close. And here's the thing, you also need to be able to raise that light up as the plant gets taller because you don't want that plant growing up and hitting your light. So if you do devise a light system, sometimes people find a way to put it on a chain or some kind of a pulley system where they can slowly raise that light up or lower down whatever it is that your plant starts are sitting on so that you can keep it at that consistent maybe two to three inches away from the light source where the plant is growing. And that's going to give you about, you know, the right distance. It's going to help your plants grow stronger. And you can also get fairly inexpensive timers for the lights so that you can ensure that the lights are staying on for that 12 hours that the plant needs and then turning off and giving them some rest, some darkness, and then turning them on again. And that can happen, you know, whether you're at work, whether you're out, you know, whether you're home or not. And that way you know that your plants are getting the, the right amount of light. The other thing is um, heat. And this is a tricky thing, too, because oftentimes, you know, our houses are, are cold this time of year. I mean, unless you're really running your heat, you know, and keeping your house at 70 to 80 degrees, which is pretty expensive and hard to do out here. Most people's houses are a little bit cool for um, seed germination and for healthy plant growth in the winter and early spring. So bottom heat is really essential. And again, there are some fairly inexpensive heat mats out there to help with bottom heat for seed germination. And what's nice about them is that they're often um, waterproof, so it's okay if they get wet. They're not going to short out your electrical system. You know, you can put them on some kind of a plastic tray to contain the dirt and just keep that heat at a consistent level. You can get elaborate and get thermostats and all kinds of things to regulate the heat at. I mean, if you're really getting serious about it, yeah, I would advise doing that. But if it's, if it's just a, a small seed starting operation for you, you know, I went for years and years without even bothering with thermostats to try and regulate the temperature of my heat mats, and it was just fine, just fine. So, you know, just experiment, see how the plants are, are looking, but for the most part, I think you're probably going to be fine without a thermostat. One thing to pay attention to, though, is that sometimes the temperature that a plant needs to germinate at is higher than what it actually needs to grow on it. So maybe you're germinating your seeds and you know you get up and it's got you know two sets of true leaves, you know, and it's got three, four sets of true leaves, they're getting bigger. It might be time to pot that plant on into a larger container, maybe a, a two inch or a three inch or four inch pot, depending on how big you want that transplant to be, 
you might plant it into a, a six pack that you have that you're reusing and um, and let that root system get bigger and so that so that the plant is growing on and the root system isn't getting stressed but you still want to keep those plants inside maybe keep them under lights for a bit longer because it's maybe still a little bit too early to put them outside um, what you can do if so you've germinated them on the heat mats and maybe just take those plants off the heat mats once they get big enough and they seem sturdy enough and they don't need that bottom heat they might still need to be indoors and be protected um, and this is where it can get complicated because if you've got an indoor situation but you've only got so many lights and heat mats and moving all these things around and this is how you end up with you know, a 50 foot greenhouse, 50 by 30 foot greenhouse where you're germinating all your plants. It's a slippery slope. And I just want to warn you, it's really easy to suddenly find yourself with all kinds of elaborate um, growing apparatus because it's so exciting and it's fun to do. And suddenly you realize you do need a greenhouse and you do need these things. It doesn't have to get that elaborate, but it can. And it just sort of depends on your level of interest and how excited you are about it. You know, if you find that you're constantly running out of room in your seed starting operation every year, maybe it is time to look at a small, you know, a little outdoor greenhouse setup that you could put up that might help you give you some more space to be doing your seed starting in. Um, or it may just decide, you know what, I'm just going to go with transplants after this because I just don't want to deal with this. And so that's something you're going to get to know about yourself. But these are just things that are going to help make your plant starts healthier and stronger so that when you do plant them outside, they have a much better chance of surviving. I should talk a little bit about soil and um, growing medium for starting seeds. A lot of times um, seedling mix is something that's a sterile seedling mix. So it's just oftentimes, you know, peat moss or cocoa fiber with a little perlite mixed in. There's no nutrient in that seedling mix. It's really just a sterile medium to get that seed to germinate. This is, to germinate the seed doesn't need any nutrients. It just needs a, a, a medium to exist in. It needs moisture and it needs warmth. Sometimes it doesn't even need light. And there's actually some seeds and you wanna read your seed packets. There's some where it says exclude light. So you wanna keep them in the dark until they germinate and then you put them under light. So there's all kinds of crazy things that can happen that seeds might require in order to germinate but for the most part they do like light and um, you can go with a seedling mix but you wouldn't want to then grow on that plant into a transplant in a seedling mix because it's not going to have any nutrients in that seedling mix and the plant is going to start to suffer because it is going to need some nutrients um, in order to grow and thrive so you could then pot it into a good potting soil mix that does have adequate fertilizer and nutrients in it so that that plant is able to feed itself and thrive. So those are things to pay attention to. I will say I've started my seeds in potting soil. I, you know, I, I tried for a while seedling mixes and it just never really seemed worth it to me. So I just always started them in potting soil. I did have a disastrous year where I had problems with my potting soil. So that's something to be cautious about as well. But um, for the most part, if you just want to start them in potting soil, that generally is okay. I mean, again, if you have problems, pay attention, make notes, and maybe think about trying something different the next year if you're having problems. One thing that can really happen, and these are some lessons that I learned early on when I was starting seeds and I didn't really know what I was doing, 
I didn't really understand about damping off. So if seeds, like once it germinates and it's a little tiny seedling, um, if you if your soil is too low in the pot and it's kind of sitting low, like maybe a quarter of the way down in the pot, or it's the soil staying really wet and there's not good air circulation, you can get a situation, it's a fungal situation, it's called damping off, and you come out one day and your seedling is dead. It looked beautiful yesterday and now it's just keeled over and it's dead. And that's because you don't have good air circulation. So you can address that by keeping a, a fan going in the area where your seeds are starting that just kind of stirs the air and keeps airflow going. It helps to reduce that kind of fungal thing that can arise if it's still air and there's not good airflow. You know, make sure that when you are filling whatever containers it is that you're starting your seeds in, you kind of want to tamp that soil down. Oftentimes I would fill a container and then just kind of tap it on the surface I'm starting my seeds on. And that's the soil settles a little bit and then maybe you need to top up a little bit more so that it's just below the surface of the container. And that also helps with airflow to ensure that those seedlings have the best possible chance to grow, to not damp off, to have good air circulation and to um, hopefully thrive and survive. So all of these things are um, things to bear in mind if you want to start things from seed this year, if you want to start some of your plants from seed, it's a really exciting and wonderful thing to do. Um, I will make some recommendations for resources for you to look at. Um, one of the books, I know you've heard um, my good friend and frequent in-season collaborator, Jessica Schleif, and I talk about this a number of times. There's this wonderful book. It's the Maritime Northwest Garden Guide. It's put out by Tilth Alliance. Um, based up in Seattle, and it really is, it's its kind of like a, looks like a big magazine. It's not a really big book, but it's got some really great, concise information on growing plants in our kind of Pacific Northwest maritime area. Really good, has a lot of month by month what you should be doing, but it has some very concise, good information about starting seeds and it's a, it's a good, it's one of my still, one of my go-to resources. If I have questions, I've got it open here in front of me, just like checking some of the information that I'm saying. And it, it's a really, really good resource. So if you can get it, if a local bookstore doesn't carry it, ask them to order it for you. Tell them they should be carrying it because you should, everybody should have a copy of this book. If you're a gardener in this area, this should be the book that's on your shelf that you look at the most. Um, there's also seed catalogs that have really good growing information in them. And two of my favorites, um, one of them is Territorial Seed Company, and they are based here in Oregon. Um, so that's great. You know, you know that they definitely know about growing in our area. And one of the things I like about them is that as you're looking through their catalog and you come across their section for pumpkins or tomatoes, and it's showing you all the pictures and each variety has its own specific information. It'll tell you days to maturity, you know, what it's going to look like, what it tastes like, all of these things. But they have a general guide about, here's about growing pumpkins. Here's, you know, the soil temperature it likes to germinate at. Here's the depth you plant the seeds, days to maturity, days to transplant. And it gives you information about the culture, common pests and diseases, when to harvest, and it's just a concise little bit of information, but it's really great and super helpful. And um, another catalog that I love, that I order a lot of things from too, 
is Johnny's Selected Seeds. Now they're based in Maine. They also have really great growing information and they have a great um, website with lots of resources on it for growing. Now they really are geared for, and a lot of their growing resources are geared for farmers. But, you know, as a gardener, you can kind of infer things from that. You can, you can dial it down and realize, okay, I'm not planting an acre of this. I'm only wanting to plant three plants. But a lot of the culture... Um, conditions and advice about that growing conditions are going to be the same whether you're growing an acre or you're just growing three plants so it's good information to have so check out those resources look through your seed catalogs dream ask questions ask your neighbors ask master gardeners um, but maybe try growing a few things from seed this year and see how it goes and you know if you don't want to try all the indoor stuff Look for varieties that it say that say you can direct sow them outdoors after the last frost date. Get a packet of seeds mid-April to mid-May. Start throwing some seeds around and see what see what happens. Seeds what happened. <laughs> see what happens. It's a really satisfying way to engage with your garden, and again, it's just going to give you so much more diversity in the plants you can grow. So I hope you've gotten something out of this. Find a way to contact me with questions on social media or through KMUN. I hope you do well in your garden this year. Talk to you next time.